Welcome to the road to growth, success of an entrepreneur. We've raised the bar. Learn firsthand from successful business owners and create your own path to success. I'm going to show you how great I am. It's time to hit the road to growth with team lead of the Enriquez Group, Realtor V. Hey, we have Clinton Young. Uh, he is a globally renowned uh, speaker. And we've had a lot of, like, I think, speakers on this podcast. We've had coaches. I know this is a question I, I usually don't ask, but I'm really curious. How do you, because I know you do some coaching. What do you think yeah. the differences are from being a speaker, right? Getting people motivated to getting a coach one-on-one. Is there anything in particular or is there a lot of similarities or what do you think there? From being a speaker to being a coach? Yeah, because I mean, the way I look at speakers, especially um, motivational speakers, they're getting in that mindset. They get that one-off. They usually don't, I guess, give you a roadmap to get there but they get you very excited, right? But for your own personality and for your own coaching and speaking engagements, do you see a difference between the two? Yeah, you know, I, I like that question. And I see people being either coaches versus people being mentors. There's so many coaches out there. You throw a rock, you hit a coach, and there's nothing wrong with being a coach. And there's a lot of amazing coaches. But when you can become a mentor, a mentor coach, I find that that's somebody that's actually been there, done that, and they can speak and coach from experience versus speaking and coaching from, uh, you know, reading in a book or maybe having a kind of anecdotal experience. When you're a mentor, you've been there, you've done that, you've probably had more failure than you've had success. And that's why you've been able to have the level of success. And I, I call myself a mentor coach because, you know, I've been speaking for 10, 15 years uh, all around the world, not as a professional the whole time, but I've really like I, I've seen some dark days as a speaker. Uh, as a professional speaker, as well as just an entrepreneur who speaks. Anybody, it's my opinion, Vinny, that anyone out there listening that is an entrepreneur, whether you're a realtor or a real estate investor or some other kind of real estate professional or any kind of entrepreneur, even non-entrepreneurs, but definitely if you're an entrepreneur, you simply must become what I like to call a world-class speaker, right? Because in order for you to make the level of impact that you want to make and the subsequent income that generally follows impact th there's no better way than actually becoming somebody that can inspire action whether you're talking on a video on a podcast one-on-one -on -one, you know to a small client base maybe or a massive crowd you have to become it's vital to become a world-class speaker in fact warren buffett one of the wealthiest men on the planet right he says that speaking is the number one skill that you can develop right now in today's day and age what do you think a key component is in, and I know we're going to get into it. You have three steps to being a great speaker. And I, and I almost feel like, I mean, I'm usually guiding this shit, but I, I almost feel like that was a subconscious thing right there where you're like, okay, this is, you have to be a great speaker. You have to be great. So you're getting me ready to ask the question, well, what does it make, what does it take to be a great speaker? And I was like, ah, oh, I play right into it. <laughs> All right. Well, I would love to, I'd love to share really quick, Vinny, like, what do I mean by world-class speaker? Because sometimes that can freak people out and people are like, well, I don't want to be a speaker or, or maybe they want to, but they're, they're like, that's not going to be my number one thing. Uh, I, I'm an agent or I'm a broker or I'm an investor or I'm whatever it is my business is. But again, what, what I mean by world-class speaker, I don't mean that you know, I help people become the next Les, Les Brown or Tony Robbins or Lisa Nichols or insert your favorite quote unquote speaker, whatever you have in your definition of speaker. Mm -hmm. What I mean by world-class is, you see, I don't know if you've found this, but I found that a lot of entrepreneurs these days, they want to have more meaning in their life. 
They want to have more impact in their life. They want to make a bigger difference. Yeah, we all want to make money. We want to have a great life. But ultimately, I think there's a trend and it's not a trend. It's a, it's a shifting, I think, an evolution of consciousness on the planet where we all want to make a bigger impact, right? Would you agree with that, Benny? Have you seen yeah. that as well? Yeah. So having said that, regardless of whether you're thinking about and listening to this podcast right now or watching this show right now as just an entrepreneur trying to make a better life, the end of the day, if you truly do want to make a bigger impact as well, again, you got to become world-class. So what do I actually mean when I say that? What I mean is, uh, and a little caveat here, I, I've got a bachelor's in psychology, a master's in psychology, and I stayed at a Holiday Inn Express last night. I'm just kidding. No. And, and I've been geeking out on neuroscience for like the last 15, 20 years. So I'm not the foremost expert in psychology, but I tend to weave in quite a bit of it because I, I know more than the average person. Let's just say that. So I say all that to say that when we speak, coming back to what is world-class, when we speak, whether it's one-on-one -on -one or on a video or to a thousand people in a live audience, Vinny, no matter who you are, there's this unconscious barrier, right? There's this unconscious barrier in our minds and our, our whole being, and then in the unconscious minds of all the people in the audience. So what happens is, is it stops us from truly being connected. Okay. And I'm not, I know we're in San Diego here. I'm not trying to get all airy fairy here with connection and, you know, sit around singing Kumbaya. But at the end of the day, when you think about psychology and you think about human, uh, human, the human condition and how people actually are motivated and inspired and how people take action, it's all around connection. It's all around how do they feel in any given moment that dictates their, their actual actions, how you feel dictates how you act. So I say that to say, being world-class is learning how to identify and then dissolve that unconscious barrier in our own minds and then also in the minds of the audience so that you're able to speak not from the head, but you speak from the heart. And again, I'm not trying to get all soft here, but speaking from the heart means authentically, means vulnerably, speaking to that collective, what I like to call the collective pain in the room. And when we do that, our audience knows that we know their pain. Our audience knows that we can articulate their pain probably better than they can. And that is when you have absolute connection. That's when you're speaking to the heart and the soul of the audience. And that right there is the only way, if you're out to make a big difference in the world, even if it's you know, in your local community or in your local five-person team that you, that you head up or that you speak to on a regular basis, you've got to learn how to speak to the collective pain in the room and lower and dissolve that that collective barrier there, that unconscious barrier, so that we can speak to the actual heart and soul of the audience, because that is the only way we're going to truly inspire action. Now, jumping back to something you just said, where you have uh, your degrees in um, yeah. psychology, right? Yep. What, what prompted you to go to school uh, in those fields? Well, to be perfectly honest with you, I'm 44, full disclosure, right? And not that that's a full disclosure moment, but just so you know, I'm 44. He's being vulnerable. Being What's vulnerable. that? He's being vulnerable, everyone. Yeah, I'm Talking being vulnerable, baby. Being <laughs> vulnerable. So I, when I went to school, I, I was a little bit of a, you know, I played sports in high school, but I was kind of a, into the, you know, I, I hung out with everybody, but some of those people were the bad people, right? I was kind of a troublemaker from time to time. And, you know, I was definitely a good kid. I always got good grades, but ultimately um, I wasn't really consciously thinking about what do I want to go to school for? What do I want to be when I grow up? I literally went to school because my, my brother went to school, my sister went to school, so I went to school. It was just kind of a natural process. You know, I applied to one college, University of Massachusetts in Amherst, Mass, and I got in and I went and I just kind of, 
I just kind of went where the waves took me, but ultimately I always gravitated towards psychology. And I don't know why I just like how the mind works. Even before I knew consciously that I liked it, I just always gravitated towards it. And so I took a class called organizational psychology in undergrad and I, I ended up graduating. I was on the Dean's list. Like I, and I made myself out to sound like I'm a, this bad person, bad kid. I wasn't bad kid. I just wasn't super conscious of what direction I was going in at the time. But I, I took organizational psychology, ended up going to get a job. I was in sales. I was a headhunter, literally pounding the phones, calling out of a phone book back in the day. Yes, 44, we used to have phone books, right? Pounding the phones, selling jobs to people in retail establishments that are store managers. So talk about fun. Yeah, not, not a sexy job. But that's where I cut my teeth in sales. That's where I cut my teeth in the ability to build rapport quickly on the phone within three seconds. You got to build rapport. And so that really carried a lot into my future days in, in sales. But ultimately, I, I ended up taking a trip to Singapore and I traveled all through Southeast Asia. Just always been one to follow my intuition. And I had this calling to go to, to visit a friend that was over there. And that just spurred this massive, massive passion for culture. And that's when I went back to grad school and studied organizational psychology and coupled that with the intercultural uh, process that people go through, that cross-cultural process that people go through, the adjustment process when they get sent overseas on assignment. Making a long story short, I ended up working for a big relocation company out here. And that's what brought me to San Diego from Massachusetts uh, as the head of all the uh, accounts out here with Amazon and Microsoft and Cisco sending people overseas and they were, you know, doing mergers and acquisitions. I would do all the, 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 the sales of that consulting so that they made sure that they had success. So that was a, a longer story than you probably asked for, but that's what kind of led me on that path of psychology. And then I've always gravitated back towards sales and psychology because I like to talk to people and I love the human condition and what motivates people, what drives people. So I've always been really, really successful in sales. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's more of a rarity, at least from my perspective, that you actually have an understanding of what you want to be and who you want to be at that age when you're going to college. If you're in your late teens, I mean, 20, whatever it might be, and you're still trying to find yourself. I mean, I, yeah. I, I've talked about this multiple times, but I hated the idea. Of, I did an internship at a, a real estate company. I was like, mm -hmm. I'm never going to get into real estate. And you know, I'm looking me down. I've been in the business for nine years, have a team fully focused on it, but it was, I didn't know who I was and I started growing and allowed myself to grow. And I mean, yeah. that's, I mean, you found yourself I mean, and you found out sales was the way for you. Now you're talking about it, that you were in sales. And then yeah. I know we talked before, Mike, uh, you got into the speaking, you yeah. were with fortune builders. How did that transition kind of work? Yeah, you know, it actually started prior to that. I, I'd always, again, gravitated towards roles where I had to have the quote unquote microphone even before I had a microphone, right? I'd always been the person that kind of raised my hand, even though it's scary, by the way. Uh, I, I speak all around the world, international keynote speaker. I get nervous every single time I speak. Okay, so that does not go away, by the way. You just learn how to transmute that energy into enthusiasm and focus and excitement. But I'd always gravitated towards these roles. So I, I was actually, my first entrepreneurial endeavor, picture this, I, I travel all the way out, relocate all the way out to San Diego from Massachusetts, just dropped like 60 grand more on school, okay? Uh, and lived and worked overseas, you know, during my graduate. So I did put all this time and effort and energy into this career, got my quote unquote dream job in this intercultural consulting firm, moved out to California, and a year into it, it became my dream nightmare. 
right? And some of the listeners out there might might be able to relate to this. I felt like I was in a role uh, in in corporate America, right, where I just I didn't like a lot of the the restrictions and being confined and being kind of told what to do and just all the corporate bureaucracy uh, that I had to deal with. So I, I became an entrepreneur. And I started selling, I actually sold real estate education and I went through real estate investment education, you know, high ticket education. And that's what got me out of my job. So that, that put me on a lot of stages. I ended up building a team and then I had a sales team uh, and I would do a lot of trainings to 500 plus people and yada, yada, yada. And really uh, I had a mentor who saw something in me uh, that I just didn't see in myself. Funny, funny story. We would always do these events you probably have these in, in your real estate office from time to time where you just have like 15, 20 people coming in and they, and maybe you do, maybe you don't, but we would have that every week, like 25, 30, 40 people come in and, and my mentor, Justin, he'd always give the presentation, right? This is my, this is beginning, one of the beginnings of my speaking career. And so picture this, all glass walls, all glass door, we're walking, he and I are walking down the hall towards the conference room. There's about 40 people in there packed in like sardines. We get right to the door. Everybody turns and looks to us. Right at that moment, Justin turns to me, flips to me the clicker, and he's like, you're on today, buddy. He opens the door and he walks in. And I walk in and I'm just like knocking in my boots. I'm like sweating. My stomach's all tight. And I start fumble effing my way through this thing. Finally, I, I, I settle down and I start to recall a lot of the things Justin shared with me over the last few months. And I got through that presentation. But man, it was a train wreck in the beginning. So this is the beginning of my speaking career. And one of the things I learned that day is that growth is never comfortable, right? Growth is never comfortable, but it's always worth it. It's always worth it. You know, I had a massive quantum leap, not necessarily in my speaking ability that day, but in my, in my belief of what was possible for myself. And sometimes another thing I learned from Justin is sometimes we need to believe and borrow the belief in us of other people until we can build up and develop enough confidence and courage to take on and own that belief for ourselves. Cause I didn't believe that I could ever be a speaker, but he saw it in me. Right. And I believed what he saw. Well, it's, it's so funny how, especially when you're, you're speaking in front of people and you're like, Oh my gosh, I fucked up. I said this wrong. I didn't say that. Right. And then you're, you're talking to people like, Oh, you did a great job. And you're like, well, you didn't see what I did. Like, what are you talking about? You know, we think these big mistakes, yes. small mistakes that most people are going to pass over. Yeah, totally. Totally. So fast forward about a month from there, Vinny. And this is where it really got set off. All right. Picture this. I'm in a room now with about 200 people and I'm supposed to be the speaker today. So I actually prepare and I'm there and I'm like, I'm still nervous as hell. Right. But probably more nervous than I was when he flipped me the clicker. Cause now I had a lot of time to think about it, but I'm out there and I'm actually in mission Valley now down here in San Diego. Uh, I started up in orange County in Newport beach, but I'm down here in, in mission Valley, the double tree in mission Valley. You probably know that hotel and I'm on stage and literally I'm in the room that has the blue, there's like a blue ceiling, beautiful, beautiful, uh, like sky ceiling. You might know that room, but anyways, I'm in there and all of a sudden about 45 minutes into this presentation, this speech, I, that you could feel the emotion in that room. You could cut it with a knife. It was palpable. I don't know if you ever had this experience on stage where you're in kind of a state of flow. I was in this state of flow where I literally looked out in the audience, like broke camera and looked at the audience and was like, do you guys feel that? And they're like, yeah, keep going. You could totally feel the energy in the room. It was so magnificent. And that was the day that I got hooked 
like absolutely hooked on inspiring the audience, inspiring people, inspiring through my voice, through creating an experience for people and really inspiring action. So that was the day, man, that I, I got hooked. What do you do? Okay. So, I mean, no one bats a, a thousand percent, right? No Correct. one, no one bats a thousand percent. There's going to be some people that are going to go to your, your events and they're just, you're just not going to connect with them. You could be right. the greatest speaker. There's going to be some people that are just not going to connect. Yeah. What do you do if you almost lock eyes with someone that you can just tell is not really feeling your flow? I mean, how does, do you just gloss over it? Do you, what do you, what's, how does that work? The mindset? You know, it depends. It depends on what kind of speaking engagement I'm at. If I'm at a paid speaking gig, I'm not going to really do much there. If I had a training and that was someone on my team, I would do something very different, right? I, I'd go over, I'd probably go over and give them a high five and like try to get them to shift their state and just shift their energy themselves. I might ask them a question. Uh, I, I, so that, that's very different. If it was a paid gig, sometimes I might make a joke about you know, hold, cr crossing your arms and, you know, just might make a, uh, maybe a funny joke about um, how you, when you learn, like learning actually takes energy. And I, I get crazy on stage. I get a little rambunctious. I'm like, learning takes what? I teach them that takes energy. I'm like, what does it take? And before you know it, the whole room's like energy. And when you get the whole room popping off like that, that person with their arms closed feels really, really weird because mm -hmm. nobody likes to stand out. So I don't always focus on them in like a paid gig because you don't want to create any issues. But if you get the rest of the people around them uh, excited and get them going, it typically will shift the energy of those kind of naysayers. And you're right, you're, you're never going to hit 100% of the audience. But what I find is if you do your homework and you know the audiences that you're speaking to, most of the people in that room are going to be what I like to call your bullseye client or people that you know their pain. Right. You know, you have as professionals, as entrepreneurs, as business owners, I believe that we need to know the pain of our audience and we need to be able to articulate it at a higher level than they can. Right. Because when we do that and I teach my students how to literally do that in the first 30 seconds to 60 seconds of your speech, your audience is like, wait a minute, I have that. That's what you want your audience to say. I have that. I need that in the first minute, because after that. They're like, I don't know what this guy has or this girl has, but I know that they understand me. They're not saying all this, but this is what hap what's happening unconsciously. I know that they understand me and my pain and I can get something from this. I'm going to pay attention for the next 45 minutes. With your own company, right? Your own um, uh, speaking and uh, mentorship programs. Yeah. How long has that been around for? So I've been coaching for about three years and I launched a group, I've been doing mainly one-on-one, -on -one, but just like any business, your business evolves over time. You find ways to add more value. You figure out more of what you like and don't like about your business. Uh, that's why I always advocate for people. Just, you gotta just try things in your business. You gotta get out there and try, because before you try, you don't know what you don't like, you don't know what you do like as much. You just kind of have an assumption, right? So my business has evolved and uh, I've grown it into, now I do mostly group coaching. And I have a signature group coaching program that I launched actually in 2020 during COVID. And that's really become the flagship of my enterprise is this 10 session group coaching program. I call it world-class speaker ignite. And I now evolve my one-on-one. -on -one, uh, whereas the, the 10 sessions is more, it's foundational, but it helps you. It's more like step and it foundations up, uh, kind of like building a house. Uh, the, the one-on-one, -on -one, I, I choose not to do that, that, 
that foundational stuff anymore. I work with higher level speakers, people that are, maybe you're not an amazing speaker yet, but you get on a lot of stages. You already know what you speak about. You already know who your ideal client is. You have a lot of that foundational stuff already in place and you're already speaking. I can help them get to world-class speaker abilities. And those are the people that I like to work with one-on-one -on -one now. So that's been around for about four years, three, three years probably. Okay. So, so the last four years, it's been your own company. You're, you've been advertising, getting the business for your company. Before that, when you're doing speaking engagements or even prospecting, calling, were the leads provided to you? Were you doing cold leads? Were the, the people that came to your event, were you calling them? Was the company calling them? Good, good question. So uh, you, you'd mentioned a company that I worked with previously, and that was more of a, they hired me to speak and I would go and I would do a lot of the leadership roles for them, but I would speak at a lot of their large events and they did everything. I just showed up and spoke. But for my own business as a keynote speaker, where you go somewhere, they pay you to speak. Yeah. Uh, I get 99% of my speaking engagements by way of referral. Wow, 99%. So I speak. I, I do exactly what I teach. I believe that speaking is the number one marketing strategy for any entrepreneur. And I think that's one of the reasons why Warren Buffett says it's the number one skill that you can learn as an entrepreneur is to actually become a world-class speaker. He doesn't use those words, but it's basically saying the same thing because when you're speaking, I, I used to say this all the time because my mentor said it, I don't want this to come off the wrong way, but he or she who holds the microphone always wins. And I don't mean that they're always a good person. I just mean, you know, he or she who holds the mic typically has the most uh, authority and they typically make the most money. Again, I don't want this to sound weird or arrogant if people hear this the wrong way, but if you think about it, any room, the person who has a microphone is usually the most successful person. So if you can become that person who holds the microphone, you become what I like to call a center of influence, right? And all of a sudden, whether you have authority or not, it looks like you have authority. So it's even better when you actually have authority, you're actually really great at what you do and you know how to speak. All of a sudden, people are finding you. And I get really good, I've gotten really good, and I teach this to my students. I teach the elegant referral script of how even in an hour-long keynote speech that I'm delivering, even for a paid client, I will ask for referrals in a very elegant way. And ultimately, I get all 99% of my speaking engagements and coaching students come by way of me actually speaking, somebody seeing me or hearing about me, and then they reach out to me. Now... Are those um, appointments that are scheduled, are they basically contacts were given to you during the event or after the event with the follow-up or how does that, that process look like? So I normally have, and in fact, I'll give it to your listeners as well and viewers if you'd like. Uh, I have over the last, like I said, 10, 15 years spoken on stages all around the world. And I've had some of the best mentors on the planet that are speakers, Hall of Fame speakers, National Speaker Association Hall of Fame speakers as my coaches. And I've distilled down my top seven world-class speaker principles. Like, no kidding, what do you need to do when you're on stage to inspire the masses and to inspire action? Um, and, and I give away those, and that's a very attractive offer. I give those for free. I actually have a bonus eighth in there as well, so there's eight. And so I usually give that away. And that's at worldclassspeakersecrets.com. I can share that with you later if you want. Yeah, right. And ultimately, people go there and they download that and then they have the, they have the opportunity. And I, I, just like any business owner, you want to continually refine and weed out the people that maybe aren't the right fit or I'm not the right fit for them. So there is some, some 
uh, classification after that in, in a video. I don't think that's the right word, but in the uh, welcome video, thank you video, basically saying, you know, if you are serious about taking action and really going to the next level, then schedule a call with me. I don't have a lot of time, just like you or super busy people, but for the people that are really hungry, and it's the people that have that burning desire inside of them to make a difference. Like they want to make a difference so bad it hurts. And they know that speaking, they have this calling to speak. Those are the people that I work with. And that's who I kind of call out in that video. And then they just schedule a one-on-one -on -one with me. Real simple. So the, idea of, having, the idea of having an offer, because it sounds like the offer is the key thing. Having some kind of intriguing offer that will get people's attention, that they'll actually follow the call to action and then you get their contact information and so on and so forth. That idea of having a strong enough offer, was that, did you learn that as you went or the speakers that you worked with, they kind of advised you to always carry an offer in your speaking engagements? Yeah. Well, you know, there's a couple different kinds of speakers, Vinny, right? There's the keynote speaker that I've talked about quite a bit, which is what I started out as. And I don't recommend people starting there. It's the one of the hardest ways to go, but that's where you actually get paid to speak. Like I go, somebody gives me 10 grand and I do an hour long presentation and I crush the, you know, usually you open the event or you close out the event, right? Opening stage, yeah. keynote speaker. And then there's this other kind, there's a lot of speakers, but the other main kind of speaker is what's called a platform speaker. And this is where most coaches, most professionals uh, would fall into a platform speaker. It doesn't mean you can't get paid once in a while as a quote unquote keynote speaker or maybe a workshop speaker where you go and you do, you do, I don't mean your own workshop. I mean, you go and you do a workshop at like a conference. You're in, you know how they have the breakout rooms, those yeah. kind of people. Those are usually paid a little, like just a little bit. And then the keynote gets paid the most. It's the hardest job. And then the platform speaker are people that are typically willing to go and speak for free. And they might even do free workshops. Um, and they are willing to speak for free on any stage as long as you want to be targeted. That's why it's so important to know why you feel called to speak and who you feel called to serve. Who's your ideal client? What's their number one pain? How do you solve that pain? These are all marketing questions, right? Mm -hmm. For you to understand your business to the nth degree, you need to understand and fall in love with your customer more so than your product or your service. And when you know all that, you can choose audiences and get, follow me here. You can choose audiences that you have a pretty good idea, there's going to be a, a certain percentage of people in that room or in that audience that is going to be your quote unquote ideal client. And when you speak to that collective pain in the room that we talked about earlier, right? You understand your audience so well. Like I know the people that I work with, they're typically entrepreneurs. They're very entrepreneurial minded. They're very much into personal growth and development. A lot of times they've experienced some kind of failure or fear or doubt in their life. And they have this calling. They have this like, I don't even know what it is. They wake up and this like intuition. They're like, I see this vision of me speaking on stages or making this impact. I just don't know how to get there. And I know that when I do that, it's going to grow my business as well. So I know that those are the pains. So I'll talk about those in my speech or in whenever I, however I communicate, I'm doing it right now. So people that are listening are understanding what it is. Of course, you do it a lot more stealthy and weave it into your stories when you're not explaining it right now. I'm just explaining it to you. And ultimately, they then say in their mind, that's me. I have that. And by the end of the speech, my call to action, my offer, free offer as a platform speaker, you typically have a free offer that's of high value. When I give that away, 
it's a perfect first step solution to the pain that I just outlined for all of them that they all are like, I have that, I have that, I have that. Wait, he has a solution for that. Okay. I want that. So then it's free. So yeah, that's definitely a very, very common uh, way to provide value and to introduce people into your world, if you will, by giving them something for free. Okay, so now jumping into the keynote aspect of it and yeah. um, for yourself, building that platform, because that seems, I mean, for the now business, I guess that's like the, if you can get it right. Yeah. That's, that's the now money. Be, that's the now money. Right. So for your own self, right. There seems like there's a lot of, I mean, again, each speaker is a little bit different. Keynote speaker yeah. is a little bit different. YouTube. I mean, everyone, they have that funnel on them, right? Yeah. How do you market yourself? Was that something you learned over time to find out what's going to be the the best description of Clinton Young? How am I going to portray myself out there so people yeah. want to hire me as their keynote speaker? So number one thing, okay, there, there's so many things I want to share with you right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the thing that I'm going to start, I'm going to take a step back and then we're going to come back to, into how do we market ourselves. So there's everyone lock in here. This is important to become a world-class speaker. And again, this is just somebody that's influential from stage, somebody that's able to you know, sell their business, sell their products, sell their services, or sell their vision from stage, whether it's video or live. You've got to do, you've got to do one main thing. And that is you have to accelerate your awareness. If anyone's taking notes, I'd start taking notes now. You need to accelerate your awareness. You could take all 10 years like I did to get your awareness, or you could accelerate your awareness. I prefer the accelerated model. I'm sure everyone listening does as well. So how do we do that? And the reason why I say awareness is because if you look at Michael Phelps, right? He's the most prolific, most highly decorated Olympian of all time, right? He guy has 28 medals, 23 of them are gold medals. It's bananas. The, if you, if he had a twin brother, the only thing that would separate those two people would be his level of awareness. That's the number one base unit of measure, right? If you go down to the base unit of measure of what makes them different, it's his level of awareness on a lot of things on physicality, on, on working out, sports in general, on being in the water, on nutrition, on his body, everything. It all comes down to a basic unit of measure of awareness. So same thing with a world-class speaker. How do we become world-class? We need to accelerate our awareness. We can do that in three ways. All right, so I'm going to share those with you right now. Um, the first way to accelerate our awareness is we got to get the repetitions. We got to just go and like speak. Seriously, D duh, right? The reason why I love principles so much, Vinny, is because, and why I, I, I usually have this caveat, so many people discount things that sound simple because they're like, oh, it's too simple. I know that. You ever hear yourself say, you know that? Have one of these on your wrist and go like that. Because there's this great quote by, I think it's Lao Tzu. He says, to know and not to do is not to know. Hmm. Right? To know and not to do is not to know. So quite often principles are the, they're the things that set apart the most successful people from anyone else who's moderately successful is the people that just follow the principles, right? So they're simple, but if you just say, I know that and you're not doing it, you really don't know it. So I say that to back up what I just said, repetition, no duh, right? If you think about athletes, world-class athletes, how much time do they spend practicing all week to play one game, all week to play one football game? right? So we've got to get the repetitions. And every time we get the repetitions, and I can show you how to get on stage after stage, after stage, after stage, after stage, because when you get the repetitions, you're going to start to see patterns 
of your content. You're going to start and those from those patterns comes books, comes programs, comes coaching, right? Comes better podcasts, better speeches, et cetera, et cetera. And the other thing is you're just going to see every time you speak, you're going to be like, wow, that felt different. Wow. That felt good. Wow. When I told that story, it felt like everybody leaned in. So repetitions, number one, number two is you've got to video record and watch your game tape. You have to watch your game tape, right? What do athletes do between every single game? What do they do, Vinny? Did you play any sports? Yeah. They, they what? They watch, what they watch the game tape. Yeah. You got to watch the game tape. It sounds like, duh, right? Again, but we don't do it. If we want to become world-class and we want to actually make, build our business and build ourselves and, and grow, we've got to watch the game tape. And you're going to see a whole nother depth of awareness when you do that. And number three is you've got to hire a coach. A number one, you've got to have a, not just a coach. You've got to have a mentor coach, somebody who like Phil Jackson, the guy's one of the best basketball coaches of all time. He has, I think he's like 10 rings or something ridiculous, but he has two rings as a player as well. Most people don't know that, right? So the best coaches are all, can be mentors as well because they've been there, done that. And I'm not saying that because I'm a coach. I'm saying that because that's exactly what I did. I, first thing I did, Vinny, to go back to your question, is I went out and hired some of the best speakers on the planet to become my coaches, right? And I knew that that was going to accelerate my awareness. And then what are the, some, what's the main thing that they said to me? Go freaking speak. Everybody should write this down. When you speak, business happens. I'm going to say that again. When you speak, business happens. Okay. Opportunities happen. Connections happen. Business happens when you speak. So what did I do? I went out and I spoke my freaking face off. Okay. And I'm going to teach one other thing here. The, the two, two main things the accelerated awareness model that I just shared. And then we have to write this down. Everybody, if you're an entrepreneur, or you're anybody out there who wants to grow your influence and your income and your impact, then You've got to become what I like to call omnipresent, okay? Omnipresent. What does that mean from a marketing? Coming, this is coming into the marketing piece. Marketing and positioning is one of the three pillars that I teach in my World Class Speaker Ignite program. And ultimately, we have to become omnipresent. What does that mean? That means we're speaking. I don't care if it's at a Toastmasters or a Rotary. By the way, these are all free places. Kiwanis, Lions Club. I don't care where it is or if it's a paid gig. When you speak or a Zoom or this podcast right here. In fact, what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to take a screenshot. Hey, smile at the camera, Vinny. All right. I just took a screenshot. Guess what I'm going to do with that later? I'm going to market that. Hey, I was just on this awesome show with Vinny. I'm going to market him. I'm going to tag him. And guess what he's probably going to do? He's probably going to like it and share it and tag it or do whatever he does, but it's going to get more eyeballs. It's going to help him. You position the person that you speak on their stage, and then they're going to position you back. This is becoming omnipresent, right? Let's say we speak two or three times in a week, all at free places. You're like, why would I do that? Folks, we get more business from marketing our speaking engagements than we do from our actual speaking engagements themselves. This isn't always true. Sometimes you do have a bullseye speaking engagement where you make an amazing offer and you've got the right people in the audience and you'll make more money at those, obviously. But what I'm saying is becoming omnipresent where every time somebody goes on Facebook or LinkedIn or YouTube, they see you speaking. Even if it's a screenshot, just a picture of you speaking. Oh, he's speaking over here. Oh, she's speaking over here. Oh, she's speaking over here. Holy crap. And then they go and then all of a sudden they're going to ask you, how are you speaking so much? Or they're going to say, what do you speak about? How can I work with you? You're creating omnipresence. You're becoming a center of influence. And it's not hard. It's not rocket science to do this, Finney. 
And that's what I teach the principles of exactly what to do to get out there. And, and you're doing multiple things. You're building the reps. You're accelerating your awareness. You're collecting game tape because guess what you're going to do with your coach? You're going to watch the game tape. And I'm going to see 10,000 yards farther than you can or whoever can, that's my, my student, and help them accelerate even faster. And you just keep doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it. And all of a sudden you get clients. How do you know, again, with technology out there, social media out there, there are so many quote unquote false coaches or yeah. coaches, book coaches, or however you want to define them, right? And I, I, I talked about this before in a podcast where I actually went to this event yeah. and uh, the guy was a great speaker, fantastic speaker. And I was like, I never, never heard of this guy. He, he had endorsements from random people and some people that I've heard of. And I go, okay, well, let me look into. So I Googled his name and I started to realize when I was diving deeper, the first two pages of Google, they were all basically owned or run by his company, mm. right? So he had, yeah. he had nothing that was actually outside of his thing. And you start looking at, you're like, okay, well, maybe he might be a really good coach, but how much of it is actually real where he actually helped people and grow? How do you yeah. find out if you have the right coach for, for yourself? You know, that's a great question. And what that guy sounds like is a really good marketer, mm. right? Whether he's a good coach or not, probably is pretty decent. But, you know, he obviously knows some things about online marketing. And that's, to be perfectly honest with you, I'm not like the foremost expert in online marketing. I just know that when I speak, business happens, period. Yeah. Whether I'm speaking and getting referrals using my elegant referral script live, or whether they're hearing that elegant referral script once I'm, I'm recorded, or whether I'm recording or taking snapshots of my speaking engagements and getting them out there. That's where I get most of my opportunities. So how do you know? I mean, yeah, I mean, you just kind of have to Google. A lot of people say to me, like, how do, how do a lot of so many people not know about you? After they go through my program, they're like, how, everyone needs to know about you because it's, there's so much purity in my program and what it is that I offer. And there's so many transform, transformative experiences people go through. But yeah, I'm not the best marketer in terms of online stuff. So how do you know? I mean, yeah, you got to Google, but guess what? You Google me, dude, it's the worst. If you Google Clinton Young, you'll see that there's another Clinton Young. There's actually two famous Clinton Youngs. One yeah. is like a rugby player in Australia. And one is this dude on death row in Texas who oh. has literally a fan club, a foundation. He's all over the news stations, which, are, which rank very, very high. So yeah. if you just typed in Clinton Young, I get destroyed on Google. But if you were typing Clinton Young speaker, I'm all over the place. So, I mean... Obviously, look at somebody's <laughs> website, clintonyoung.com. You can see I'm a speaker. Just look what at the video about, on the homepage. What about for yourself? You said you've had a couple coaches. Yeah. Um, how did you know you had the right coach? You know, I work a lot on intuition. When I feel something, if you don't, if anyone doesn't know what intuition is or is kind of questioning what, what does he mean, it's not a conscious reasoning. It's just this feeling, right? It's this feeling that, that something feels right. I always say follow the tingles. That's another quotable one there. Follow the tingles. Right? When you feel something, I believe that is God, universe, whatever you want to call it, right? Your intuition, I believe, is your connection to source, whatever your source might be. And when you feel those tingles and you feel the, that moment of, wow, that feels right, that's right. Don't question it. It's right. It's right. Right. So I, I do a lot of that, to be perfectly honest with you, uh, to, to really know whether I'm going in the right direction. And sometimes you just have to have the courage and just take action. And sometimes you're wrong, right? But it's better to take action and get a result and get feedback than to sit there and not take any action and always wonder what if. This this is, I mean, this is a question. This is usually during the podcast where I ask a question of if you could basically talk to your younger self. But something yeah. with 
with you, I'm really curious about if you, if your older self was watching the game tape of your last keynote mm. speech, I mean, let's say five years, maybe 10 years, if that's, I mean, what do you think they would give you advice, feedback on your last speech? Oh, I love that question. That's a beautiful question. You know, I, I'm at the precipice right now of really being somebody that can just step up there. And, and I do this quite often, but it's not 100% of the time mm. where I'm so in my heart, I'm so in my body, I'm so in my connected to source that I don't have to even think about anything I'm saying and who I'm being, who I'm being on stage moves people. Right. And that, that's only happened to me, uh, that level a few times. Like that first time I told you when I was in the flow, didn't matter what I was saying, it's who you're being. And that's a beautiful thing. Like I teach this as well, because people don't actually receive the words coming out of your mouth as much as people think they do. There's this study and it's been debunked and then proven and then debunked and who doesn't really matter. But ultimately I believe the, the basic mechanics of this study I'm about to share are hold true. And that is that about, and I'm, I'm making up these numbers. They're not hundred percent accurate, but they're close enough, right? It's about 70% or so of the communication that is, that is communicated in any communication, about 70% of what's landed, what's, what's received by the person on the other side of it, which is the only thing that matters is what's received, not what's said, but what's received about 70% of that is determined by who you're being, your body language, how you're holding yourself, your whole way of being, right? 70%, about 25-ish percent of that communication, what's responsible for that, that delivery of that communication is how you're saying it, right? The, the tonality in your voice, the speed, the pitch, right? I'm kind of modulating my voice right now. That's why in sales, if you have anybody in sales, they, they, a lot of our customer service, they say, when you're on the phone, smile, look in a mirror and smile while you're talking, because while you're talking, you might not notice it, but the tonality of your voice is changing. It's doing it right now when I'm smiling, right? So that is what's responsible for about 25%. And only about five to 7% of the actual communication that's received are the words coming out of your mouth. Right. So we've got to focus more on who we're being and how we're saying what we're saying. And so my future self would say to me, Clinton, man, just trust in yourself and just trust that you are connected to source and you're here for the right reasons. And it doesn't matter what you say. It matters who you're being, because that is what actually communicates to people. I love the saying by Maya Angelou. She says that people don't remember what you say. They don't remember what you do, but they always remember how you make them feel. Oh, that's a great one out there. Always remember how you make them feel. That's why I believe emotions are my superpower. I lean into them. And, and I believe that that is the number one sort of elixir, the magical elixir that transforms an audience that inspires action, whether you're in a simple sales conversation or whether you're in this, you know, inspirational speech to a thousand people feeling. How people feel in any given moment dictates everything, their whole experience of life. And if you can help them feel something that's going to improve their lives, they're going to look at you like you are the holy savior, right? Not that you're trying for that, but they're going to look to you with grace and say, wow, you gave me so much value. So help people feel good. That's real simple to say, right? It's not as simple to do, but it's simple. I mean, I, I hope everyone listening 
got a great feeling out of this. I know if you're if you're mining for for nuggets, there's a lot of nuggets that have been dropped on this one. Uh, thank you, Clinton, for for being on the podcast. Thanks for giving all the feedback. And if in the show notes, everyone listening, you'll be able to find out where to follow Clinton, where to connect with Clinton, and maybe you're looking for speaking engagements. Maybe you listen to him and you go, "Oh my gosh." He painted a picture. He was so eloquent when he was talking. I mean, how can I follow his footsteps and you know, I mean, reach out to him in the show notes? Follow his uh, his footsteps. Awesome. Yeah, I just want to I just want to inspire everybody or or hope to inspire everybody to always remember to think big, say yes, and take action. Think big, say yes, and take action. Definitely grab the top seven speaker secrets in the show notes as well. Thank you so much, Vinny, for having me on your awesome show, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, everyone, please subscribe. Please share. Follow Clinton. Have a great one, everyone. Thank you for listening to The Road to Growth, Success of an Entrepreneur. Please like, subscribe, and stay connected. Visit www.TheEnriquezGroup.com. Yeah, I created a website. Hope to see you again next week. The Enriquez Group, signing off.